And welcome to Tales from the Trunk, reading the stories that did make it. I'm Hilary B. Bisniak's Listeners, I am thrilled, absolutely pleased as punch, to welcome the first of two book tour guests for this month of February, and to close out what has been a remarkable fifth season. Uh, Oh... Gosh, if I could have gotten Nora on this show, that would have been incredible. Like, past me. I need that time machine. Anyway, Premium Mohammed, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me back. Absolutely. I uh, always want to have you on the show talking about your books. Because your books are always incredible. Thank you and, so much. Uh, today... I, I will admit I only just dug into the arc last night, so I won't know anything past what our reading is today, because time is stuff, and things are happening, and somehow the world turns. But we are here to talk about The Butcher of the Forest. Is there anything we need to know before we get into it? I think it would be helpful for viewers to know that uh, a friend described it as Hansel and Gretel meets Annihilation. We love it. And I described it as Escape from L.A. meets The Fairy Queen. So Uh, I don't know whose comps are more dated, but (laughs) it basically is a coerced rescue mission in a giant ancient evil forest. That's all you need to know. (laughs) And Snake Plissken is there. And Snake Plissken is there. And he says... Call me Snake. That's actually <laughs> that, in the book. That's that's canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fiasco agrees. <laughs> uh, for for listeners who do not have the benefit of audio, Fiasco, local small bastard man, is here on the call, twitched his ear in recognition of the fact that Snake Pliskin is canon in this book, and also that I put my hand directly into his stomach fur. Yeah. Also that. <laughs> Regular occurrence. Regular occurrence. Yeah, I can do it again. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so are we going to be hearing from the first chapter? Yeah, I thought I would start at the start. Um, how long? Like two minutes? A couple of minutes? Yeah, a couple couple few. Like okay. 10, 15 or, you know, however however long. Okay, I'll, I'll go to like find a good spot to stop. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> The Butcher of the Forest. It was not yet dawn when they came for her. Ferris stumbled from her bed into an early morning sea, deep blue light submerging in the little house with no hint of sun. She swam, it seemed, to the lamp in the hall and lit it with a wavery, half-smothered match. She swam down the stairs. The front door rattled in its frame with each blow, paint and shreds of wood flaking from it, as if the unseen callers were not knocking, but rushing at it with a battering ram. It was locked from the inside, but the bolts and bars were beginning to give as she approached. 
She unlocked it hastily, cursing and fumbling the ancient keys and threw it wide. This the residence of Varys Thorn? <laughs> the man on the doorstep still raised his gauntleted fist as if the door now conquered, he would hammer her as well for a wrong or slothful answer. <laughs> I am she. <laughs> then get in. She opened her mouth to ask for clarification, then looked past his shoulder, also armored, she noted numbly. A carriage waited at the end of the path. It had clearly arrived in such haste that in stopping it had slewed into their garden wall. The newly exposed faces of stone frowned and palely glowed. Two more armed men flanked its open door, and another sat the reins, leaning forward as if already in motion. Oof. All she could see was the skeletal gleam of starlight on the metal, so that they formed more or less attitudes rather than men. It took her a moment, but once arrived, there was no escaping it. They had come from the tyrant, and she could no more deny them than she could the rising of the sun. Her stomach sank and her limbs began to drain of sensation. Behind her, adroitly, her aunt took the lamp before it smashed on the doorstep. <laughs> I, Varys said, now, growled the man, and he took her upper arm, pulling her out of the doorway. May I get dressed at least? No. Varys glanced back desperately as she was towed away at her aunt and her grandfather in the amber lamplight, sleepy, confused, only their faces not showing terror, not yet, receding, receding till they were no more than silhouettes, and the man slung her smoothly into the carriage so that her slippered feet did not even touch the three steps leading up into it, and then he got in and sat across from her. The carriage squeaked as the other two men jumped onto the running boards, and in silence, without clucking to the horses, the driver took them down the lane, and Varys thought only of these men who had come in heavy armor, bristling with swords and daggers through the village, and how ready they were for violence, and what might have happened if she had, for some unfathomable reason, not been at the house. Hmm. No. Best not to think about it. <sighs> Varys had no mother, and she had no father, but she had family still to preserve, and she would not jeopardize them now. She shivered in silence in the carriage, knowing that her escorts would not answer any of her questions anyway. They bounced along the rutted lane, passing all the tiny houses just like hers, still mostly dark, then the dull apple-red glow of the bakery and the dozen ovens, tiny forms already scurrying around in the deep blue light with wheelbarrows and barrels. Hmm. Then the road rattled with gravel, then cobbles. And they were out of the old town and onto the new way, which the tyrant had paved with flagstones to more easily move his armies. Hmm. Past the smithies and the tanners, the small golden lights of farmhouses, and the carriage sped up now, a speed she would have called reckless, but the tyrant's carriages ran on steel wheels, which would not, like the age-old wooden ones, crack or turn on the road, and his powerful horses had been bred to the task. The sun edged over the distant hills, only a lightening of the general murk, an aubergine rather than a blue. It illuminated the bridge of the man's nose across from her, and nothing else. Mm -hmm. The carriage's small, leaded windows were propped half open, presumably for his comfort, but between the autumn air and the speed of their motion, Varys was chilled to the bone. She drew her threadbare robe around her pajamas, for what little good it would do, and watched the land blossom around them. The fields of wheat, barley, the strict grids of orchards, regiments of trellises heavy with grapes. Best time of the year. Eat everything without guilt. 
Even this air, cool and fresh, ripe with a year's work well done you could enjoy. There would be pig days in the next three or four weeks, the big bonfires, the cauldrons pinging as they heated up. And what did the tyrant want with her? Nothing. Nothing. She had been trying to keep her mind away from it, to hold down the panic in the question, but she could control it no longer. What? What on earth? Why? Not another wife, surely. He liked them young, and Varys was pushing forty. And fertile, too, because he had only two children, or so it was said. <laughs> A tyrant always needed more, and so more working wombs. Not hers. Not to work at the great castle. Everyone in the valley clamored for a position there, and the stewards and quartermasters simply rode down to a fair every now and then and recruited servants by the handful. And anyway, Varys would be equally useless as a maid, a groom, a cook, a valet, a footman, anything, <laughs> as she would a concubine. Not to arrest her for treason or conspiracy. Well, one never knew, but it didn't <laughs> seem likely to Varys, who generally kept her head down and did not associate, as far as she knew, with any benighted souls who would dare to plot against their conqueror, because <laughs> she did not really associate with anybody now. It was true, though, that the arrests were still happening, and for slighter and slighter a cause every time, it seemed. But mm -hmm. they would have clapped her in irons the moment she opened the door, if that had been the case, and certainly not sent a carriage. Why? Why? What had she done? Despite the effort at ventilation, the rotted leather stench of her escort's armor was beginning to accumulate. Hmm. Varys pressed her face to the gap in the window and breathed the cleaner air outside, which admittedly smelled of horse sweat and road dust. <laughs> then a burst of resin, leaf, root, as wet and pure as water splashed on her face. The border of the north woods rising high and dark, shadowing the still green pasture lands on the other side of the road. Hmm. Gone in an instant as they raced past. She did not realize they were moving so quickly until the woods tore away from them like a flag. And then, in the distance, she spotted the high gray walls of the castle. Her fingers tightened on the windowsill till it creaked under her grip. Still, he has this power over us. And it has not waned one whit since the day he came. Why me? And why? Ooh. Ooh. Gosh. Oh. Always, always a delight. I, I uh, have been a fan of your prose since before we were friends. Oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> for real, for real. Um, I'm I'm so excited to to finish reading this book now. <laughs> um, of course, you know that you've been on the show several times in the past. Uh, you're well aware that this is Tales from the Trunk, so I do have to ask: Are there any bits that you're particularly sad or uh, regretful that for whatever reason just didn't make it in that you really miss? Kind of, because I did want to keep this to novella length. Mm -hmm. um, it was one of those things where you kind of look at the premise or the idea of the story, and I know I've, I've talked about this before, but like when you have an idea, you can kind of weigh it in your hand 
-hmm. and be like, if I really want this to be a story, it's not really weighty enough to support the weight of a novel, but it's too much for a short story. And that's often where I settle with novella. And so I, I do like, I wanted to keep to the through line of the story. I wanted to keep the plot moving, but I also really wanted there to be more puzzles and more tricks. And, you know, if I had put in everything that I had thought of, because I was kind of going through and being like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if, wouldn't it be neat if, and then, you know, if I had like 10 or 12 of those, I would cross them out and I was left with, you know, three and then three. Um, because that's part of the mythology of the story. I don't know if you've reached that part yet, but um, it's very much part of their culture that three is not just a mystical number in the sense that um, it signifies things, but it's also mm -hmm. kind of a mystical number in the sense that it causes things. Mm -hmm. So on the morning that Varys leaves, for instance, you know, her aunt makes her three cups of tea, three small cups of tea, and three eggs with three different herbs, and, and you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So it's three and three and three. So I wanted there to be, you know, three challenges that she has to overcome to try to reach her goal, and then three coming home. Mm -hmm. And for her to not realize that it's three and then three. Oh. I only wanted the reader to know that. So I couldn't have, you know, like five and then seven or something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and anyways, it would have messed with the length. But yeah, there were other, there are other, I don't want to say people. There are other things in that forest that mm -hmm. are sort of people-y that I wanted, you know, the, the characters to encounter. But in the end, um, a couple of them are sort of in there, but they're just half reference. Like, oh, mm -hmm. we saw this. And I was like, well, I wanted to write that scene. <laughs> and I would have if this wasn't a novella. But no, I think it, I think it works at the novella length. But of course, it means you have to trunk stuff. Right. <laughs> yeah. There, there's there's uh, two other for a, a total of three different versions of The Butcher of the Forest. Uh, two other AUs of this where you get to put the other things in. Exactly, exactly. So that way there's three again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Three, three, thrice three. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's three different forests. That's that's how the other ones work. Maybe I'll write those one day. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, let's see. So the the last one would be spelled the Butcher of the Forest with an E, uh, three instead of an E in Butcher. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Which, which... Or like that. Yeah. Like, and, and the, the uh, second one would be butcher, called Two Butcher, Two Foresty. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and there has um, to be a character in it somehow named Nox or Nos. Mm -hmm. I just, I haven't figured out how to make that happen. <laughs> I'm glad that we're sharing the brain cell today. <laughs> so we're just passing it back and forth. <laughs> uh -huh. um, so obviously there's a lot of things even just from... Uh, this little bit at the opening that you've read to us to love out of this. But uh, without giving too much away, is there anything that you're just super thrilled for people to get to in this book? God, I don't know. Um, one thing that's certainly been resonating with people who got a review copy is uh, there's a specific character, a, a trickster character, a fox, but also not a fox. We love to see it. Um, we love to see it. Um, he is a fox and he isn't a fox at the same time. So he gives you kind of a headache if you look right at him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, he, um, as, as, as tricksy and 
nasty and like vindictive and and personal as he is mm -hmm. uh he hints that there's a bigger bad mm. and um so you're i think people are kind of coming away from that being like oh my god like <laughs> is he is he not the butcher of the forest well you know it's just the title but, uh, -huh. uh people really seem to enjoy that scene because it's it's a fairy tale kind of nastiness Mm -hmm. Something I think that we're familiar with from, you know, fairy tales themselves and, and from, um, you know, 80s fantasy movies. Mm -hmm. uh, the idea that if somebody wants something from you, you're not necessarily going to pay in money or give right. them something. They might take something else from you. Mm -hmm. and, there might you know, be a the price that you the... don't know what it is. Exactly. Like you don't know the currency. You don't know the price. You don't know the currency. And you just have to hope that you've got it somewhere on you. Right. Mm hmm. And uh, I know I, I recently read a review where somebody was saying, you know, uh, Varys has all these rules at the start and then they can't be, in, you know, that that firm because she systematically breaks them. She breaks them out of desperation. Mm -hmm. She breaks them because she doesn't have the price. She doesn't have the currency. And because she is being asked for too much, she would pay it if she could, but she can't. Mm -hmm. So she does go Oof. in with these these ironclad rules that she thinks will get her out alive. Um, but unfortunately, the forest kind of knows that those rules exist too, and that mm -hmm. humans have figured those out. So it's like, let's see how far we can bend them, and let's see if we can make her break them, and then suffer the consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whew. So the fox is very much part of that. He's like, you know, oh, cash on the barrel head, but it's not cash. Mm-hmm. It's never cash. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I think that I have this meme saved in my meme folder, so I should be able to pull it out without too much difficulty, but I'm just thinking of, uh, this Tumblr text post of, uh, like, Thay, pronouns in parentheses, Zezer, mm -hmm. or something, uh, may I have your pronouns? You... <laughs> You nice know, try. they slash them. <laughs> uh, sure, they, them. Yeah. Fay pronouns they slash them. Thanks. Yeah. You, pronouns nothing slash nothing. nothing. Wait a yeah. minute. Wait a minute. I think I've seen that one, too. Uh, I'm on Tumblr a lot, so. Yeah. <laughs> it is the curse. It is yeah. the blessing and the curse. The other, the other fun thing, I think, was writing a book about the Fay and Fairyland without ever using those terms. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Varys has never heard those terms. She would be quite surprised, I think, to be like, fairy? What's a fairy? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, what's, what's, what's fae? You know? <laughs> it's just it's the one, woods. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's one of those things of, um, I think this was another Tumblr post that was going around about how, uh, Van Helsing is, uh, very genre savvy in Brentsport the Bram Stoker's Dracula, but he thinks that he's in the novel, uh, the brilliant Professor Van Helsing kills Dracula, and that's not what the novel is. Like, he's no. genre No, unfortunately, savvy. he's in Dracula. Uh-huh. 
I love that idea. I was just, um, I gave a talk for, uh, for a friend's creative writing class today for Red Deer Polytechnic. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the, it was about dialogue. And one of the things that I unfortunately had to say is, you know, everything a character says is not for the benefit of the reader. It's mm-hmm. for the benefit of themselves or for other characters. It serves the story because a fictional character does not know that they're a fictional character and they can't talk like they're aware that they are one. They just mm-hmm. can't because that rings false to a reader right away. They have right. to talk like they're real people communicating real information, not like, you know, Van Helsing <laughs> in right. his Unle- novel Van Helsing. <laughs> Unless... Unless, I'll say, you are Thursday Next from the Jasper Ford uh, lit crime series. Okay, except for that. Yeah, unless you're you're making a meta commentary, you don't know that you're a character. Yeah. (laughs) And even so, there's there's layers there. Yeah, there's layers. Yeah. Um, So, we we, uh, talked about this very briefly beforehand and a keen eared uh, before we started the actual podcast uh, and and keen eared listeners may have noticed that I said preemie not preemie uh, and uh, you you had a very funny note in our uh, in our show prep document I wonder if you can uh, talk briefly about that sure so the you know before the trunk cast started recording uh hillary and i were saying you know i i had to trunk the pronunciation of my name so (laughs) i finally pulled my mother aside um relatively recently too a couple of months and was like listen i have been telling people to pronounce my name with two long e's for years even (laughs) though that's not how you pronounce it but i have noticed you pronounce it differently from dad and (laughs) Several members of my family, like, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins, pronounce it differently from each other. Mm -hmm. So this appears to be related to the fact that my mother gave me a Hindi name, but no one in my family speaks Hindi. A problem. (laughs) So first of all, we should have thought of that. But secondly, like, I I really, I put the screws to her. I put her in the torture chamber. I was like, (laughs) just tell me what you thought it was supposed to sound like. And she was like, it sounds the way I say it. Don't listen to your father. <laughs> so the root word is prem, which means love. Mm-hmm. So it should be premi. And it always should have been. <laughs> and she was like, I've never known why you use too long E's. And I was like, because you never corrected me. <laughs> and she was like, I corrected you all the time. <laughs> and now okay. mumble odd years later, you've had to trunk the pronunciation of your name. Yeah. And so that's in the trunk now. I hope the trunk enjoyed it. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, you know, it is funny that it took me this long, but to be fair, she mostly does call me by my nickname, which is Prime. Most Mm -hmm. most of my immediate family and close, close friends do. So the E never comes into play. Right. So, and I, of course, don't speak Hindi. So anyways, (laughs) apparently it is fixed now. It is, I'm saying it the way she says it. Perfect. (laughs) <laughs> that, I think that makes everybody on this podcast, with the possible exception of uh, Fiasco, not speaking Hindi. Yeah. Fiasco might speak Hindi and we just don't know. I asked him a while back if he spoke Italian <laughs> because he is a Fiasco. 
And uh, actually, when I was in um, Barcelona last year, because uh, one of my publishers took me over there for the launch of a book of mine that was in translation into Catalan, um, someone did ask me, you know, uh, what's what's your cat's name? And I said, oh, it's Fiasco. And uh, Fiasco is a term that's very common in Spain Mm -hmm. because it's a type of Italian wine, a Chianti, which is sold Uh-oh. in a round-bottomed flask. So if you just go into the grocery store and are like, I want a fiasco, they'll just point you to the giant rack uh, in the corner and you could just buy a fiasco. So I was like, he does have kind of a round bottom. He do. Yeah. He is a fiasco. (laughs) Very good little fiasco there. He's a good little fiasco. (laughs) Um, So obviously we've been talking about the Butcher of the Forest. You have several other books coming out right around now. Uh, and several more this year, and uh, some events that you're going to be doing in the near future. Uh, I'm sure our listeners would love to know about those. I'm sure your listeners would be very excited to know that I could remember most of them. (laughs) Um, I can tell you about the books, though. Yeah, perfect. So uh, The Butcher of the Forest is a novella, so that's coming out first uh, in February, as we mentioned, from Tor.com. And uh, the second book of the year is called The Siege of Burning Grass, which is a novel, and that's coming out from Solaris in March. Very excited. Um, I'm super excited for that one. That's that's a big, heavy, secondary world uh, anti-war novel uh, with a lot of characters, big cast, um, Mm -hmm. big, heavy philosophy, a lot of violence and and spying and yeah it's um it's probably the hardest book that i've ever written and i'm really proud of the way it turned out so nice people um have pre-ordered that one because that's coming out in march and then in june uh i have the sequel to my 2021 novella the annual migration of clouds um also coming out from ecw press and the sequel is called we speak through the mountain um and that's actually the second book in a trilogy oh The third book will be coming out in 2025. (laughs) Okay. A little bit less Uh, of a wait between those two. Yeah. And then um, the last two books of the year, uh, I have one coming out with Absinthe Books, a novella uh, called The Rider, The Ride, The Rich Man's Wife, which is a weird Western with with a wild hunt. I don't know. Great. Um, Yeah. I, I love a weird Western. I've never tried to write one before, and it was just, it was so much fun. And um, sometime in the fall, I think September or October, I have a um, novella, but also a mini collection coming out from Psychopomp Press. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's a novella uh, entitled One Message Remains. Um, And then it'll be a reprint of my Deadland story, The General's Turn. So Mm. the novella is set in the same world as the story. And then two more novelettes. How long do they end up being? I think about 11,000 words. Yeah, that's Novelette territory. Um, yeah, that's Novelette territory. Uh, not not quite short stories, so it'll be four stories total in that mini collection. Oh, that's fantastic. And uh, listeners know we love Psychopomp. Uh, we had Sean on here back in November? November sounds right. I think November. Um, that's very excellent. Uh, and at some point in the next couple of weeks uh you had mentioned that uh you and john wiswell will be doing an event a virtual event 
with Mysterious Galaxy Books in San Diego, California. Uh, you do not have to be in San Diego, California to attend. No, that is neither free. of you that are going is to be there. Virtual, neither of us are leaving our house. We may be in our pajamas. And I am super, super excited to talk about The Butcher of the Forest and uh, John's amazing debut novel, which uh, his publisher sent to me. And I was like, <gasps> I get to read it early. Uh, oh, someone you so can exciting. build a nest in. Yeah. Uh, and listeners, stick around in, in April where uh, John's John's going to be here to talk about that as well. So, you know, multiple, multiple places to hear people be very excited about that book. People should be excited about that book. People should be so excited about that book. Listeners, if you've somehow slept on John Wiswell, go, go fix that. Fix There's, your life. There's so much good Wiswell out there. You, you, you gotta. It's all good Wiswell. It's all good Wiswell. It is. Um, finally, semi-finally, uh, is there anything in the broader media landscape that you've been enjoying recently that you'd love for our listeners to know about? Oh, boy. Um, well, I'm not going to talk about uh, TV or movies, unfortunately, because I have not been consuming a lot of those, sadly. That's valid. Um, I, I did just get back from a three-week writing residency uh, in which, you know, sort of the goal is to give you dedicated writing space and time. So mm -hmm. I ended up doing a lot of reading, uh, and I want to really quickly shout out um, a novella, The Two Doctors Gorski by Isaac Fellman, which Ooh. was incredible, just so sharply and efficiently written and, and just the most astonishing blend of, of magic and the everyday. That um, and, and this is, I, it might be, you know, it's very short, but it's like some of the darkest academia I think I've ever read. <laughs> Um, and I also read while I was there, um, The Vanished Birds by Simon Jimenez, which was just incredible. Oh, nice. Um, just kind of like the spear cuts through water. It, um, it made me feel just incredibly excited and hopeful for sci-fi and where mm -hmm. sci-fi was going. You know, it's, um, it did everything you could possibly hope for with a science fiction novel. And, yeah. and it did it with great heart and, and love and hope. I loved it. Jimenez is, is fantastic. He has my complete heart. I will read anything he writes. If he publishes his grocery list tomorrow, I'm buying that full price. <laughs> <laughs> the groceries or the list or both? Both. Perfect. He can, just, he can just text me and be like, buy my groceries. And I'll be like, anything for you. Write more books. <laughs> I need more books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finally, for real this time, Premi, where can our listeners find you elsewhere? Um, in terms of social media, I am on Twitter a lot less. Uh, I'm on Blue yep, Sky mood. More. Yeah, mood, big mood. Um, I'm on Blue Sky More these days, uh, and I'm just at my website, so premimohammed.com. Um, I'm on Good Insta at Premi... Premisaurus, um, not really anywhere else. I don't know. Uh, people can certainly hit me up on my Patreon. I would love more patrons. So yeah, that's patreon.com that. slash Premi. 
Um, and on my website, of course, premiumohammed.com, where I attempt to keep it up to date, but it's <laughs> actually not that easy because it's easy for things to just fall off the calendar. Uh-huh. But I try really hard. And that's also a place if you want to like dig up any short fiction that I've had out. I've got links to everything there. Yeah. Good place to go. Well, Premi, thank you so, so much for coming on again. It has been a delight. Uh, and I haven't nailed down all my guests for the year. Maybe you'll be back later this year. Who could say? Who could say? I am around. And thank you so, so much for inviting me. I had a blast. Of course. Listeners, stick around next week because uh, time is is fake and wibbly-wombly and schedules are hard uh, when my good friend Joe Miles will be on to talk about the concluding book in their trilogy, which you should check out. And uh, after that, it's season six somehow. So, you know, stick around... Stick around for that. There's going to be great things. Tales from the Trunk is mixed and produced in beautiful Oakland, California. Our theme music is Paper Wings by Lillian Boyd. You can support the show on Patreon at patreon.com trunkcast. All patrons of the show now get a sticker and logo button, along with show outtakes and other content that can't be found anywhere else. You can find the show on Blue Sky at TrunkCast, and I post at HB Bisniaks. If you like the show, consider taking a moment to rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And remember, don't self-reject. <laughs>